Hi, and welcome to the Dadability Podcast, proudly brought to you by WeFlex, fitness for everybody. This podcast was dedicated to the support and empowerment of all disability dads, to learn from each other by sharing our successes, struggles, and everything in between. On today's episode, I reflect on what has been a massive year. It's been 365 days since I first checked myself into a mental health hospital. And I share my reflections and observations that show that anything is possible and you too can make the changes you need to make to support your family. Enjoy. Today is a massive day. It's 365 days since I checked myself into a mental health hospital. And what a what a journey it's been over the last year. I can't believe it's actually uh, a year. Um, for anyone who's listened to my first episode opening up where I share the story of, of how I you know, ended up making the choice to and why I needed to make the choice to, to check myself in uh, to a mental health hospital. It's, um, it's pretty surreal, actually, sitting here now thinking that that was a, a full year ago. I, I, I can't help but think back to the the person that I was I mean I was so such a mess I was so broken uh, physically and mentally and emotionally vivid images of of just breaking down and being unconsolable and just not being able to come back and, and, and crying for hours and hours and hours and just being, yeah, my lowest point. And, and so scared of what what that might mean for the future and, and, and hopeless and hopeful at the same time, I think was, was how I was feeling going into, into a brand new, very intimidating environment that I had no idea what it would be like um, I, you know, I was hopeful because I just wanted something to change, but I felt hopeless because I didn't feel like I was in control of, of the changes and, you know, I just wasn't sure what to expect. And I remember being so grateful for my wife and for the sacrifices that she made for me to go and attend um, and take two weeks away from from the home life and, and she shouldered the entire load and I still to this day don't know how she did it. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful to my work and to my colleagues who stepped up around me to give me the time that I needed. So many things to be to be grateful for. I I remember sitting there having, you know, been checked in and and spoken with the nurses and waiting, waiting for the, 
psychiatrist to come and meet me. And I remember sitting there in a, in a room in, in, a, in a very, you know, whilst it was a lovely place, it was, it's, it's, you know, it's a hospital at the end of the day. Right. So it did feel like one. And I, I just remember sitting there in the room and it was so clear to me this, what was at stake? Like it never been clearer, you know, when you're there and you, you, all these feelings of apprehension and anxiety and hopeful and hopelessness. And it's just, I was so clear what's at stake. And for me, I, I knew that if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity, if I didn't make the most of everything that, that, that I was about to endure or go through, and I didn't fully commit to everything, I, I, I knew what was at stake. You know, I, you know, staying the way I was, I was going to lose my family. I was going to lose my marriage. I was going to lose the very people I was trying so desperately to, to support and to be there for. And I was just not, not doing a great job at it. And I was at risk of losing it all. And, and I just, I, I, there's no way I wanted to do that. It, it you know, my family means so much to me that I would have walked through, walked, crawled over broken glass. I, I would have, I would have done anything. But, but it's easy to say. It's harder to do. I think when I was put in that situation, it, it really held up a mirror to what am I doing? And it was a moment where it was. It was one of those moments where you 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 you're either you sink or you swim, right? And there was no way I was going to sink. And I really kind of, something really, really incredible happens, I think mentally for me very early on in that, in that, you know, knowing what was at stake and knowing what I was there for, I, I, um, I showed myself what, what was important, my why. I mean, my, my family, is my why I I'm so family orientated and I would do anything for my kids and my wife. And, and I, they're, they're my why they're my reason why I, I want to be better. I want to provide for them. I want to give them the, you know, the best possible life. And um, I want to enjoy every moment along the way and, and, and create wonderful experiences and house full of love. And, and that's my why. And it hit me like a brick in the face and it's not that I took it for granted either, mind you, you know, so you're sitting there listening going, yeah, but I, I, I'm like that. And I, I just, I just, I just never take it for granted. I, I would constantly tell, you know, my family, how, how I feel it's, it wasn't ever about that for me. I'm not being able to do it. It was just my actions, um, didn't match how I felt it, it, it just from no no fault of my own and no fault of theirs. I just became at a point where I wasn't helpful to the situation anymore. And I was making uh, uh, what is challenging times looking after a, you know, a kid with a disability, uh, you know, you know, my son, it was, it was, it was everything I was trying so desperately to avoid and I was making it harder um, for, for him and for, for my family and 
I just couldn't get out of it. There's nothing that was getting me out of it despite best efforts. And I think, yeah, the why was so powerful. And so early on, I committed there to let, let me get the best out of this. Let me, let me not waste a minute. Let me not waste a, a minute of time in here. I, I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow. I'm here to challenge myself. I'm here to get uncomfortable. I'm here to get answers. I just want to help myself so that I can help my family. And, you know, the other thing that, that was ringing through my ears this entire time, and this is all before I met the psychiatrist for the first time, mind you. The other thing that was ringing in my ears was just, this is a, it's a marathon, man. This is not a sprint. You can't, you can't just get your way through this in the next, for the next month and then see how you go. You, you, you have to get a handle of this and some better ways to control how you think and whether that's medication, which at that point I'd, I'd never taken any medication for anything um, to do with my, with my mental health. And so I, I was just like, you know what, like I, I, whatever it takes, because I, I've got a life ahead of me where I need to be better equipped. So whatever I need to do to kind of come out of this is two weeks um, better for it. I'm, I'm going to do. And so that was kind of how the journey started at the mental health hospital, which is incredible to think that was 365 days ago. Um, I remember looking for answers. I met with psychiatrists. I met with psychologists. I met with the, the nursing team there. Um, they have a phenomenal um, uh, therapy, individual and group therapy program. So I had to do four hours of therapy every day, um, and which was mainly cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy, maybe a combination of, of both. There was some art therapy uh, for mindfulness and to practice those skills. There was meditation. There was um, yoga. There was walks and exercise. Um, and there was a schedule throughout every day in different topics that you discuss in terms of from a, a cognitive behavioral therapy point of view. So I just remember looking at this going, all right, I'm in. Like, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm signing up for. And it certainly wasn't the experience of some other patients in there and some other people that were getting help. I remember, but I remember trying to find answers because at this stage I didn't know what I what, what was going on with me. I was hoping that someone could tell me. Um, I remember being a couple of days into the process and still not understanding what was fully wrong and trying to um, to say to my wife, "Look, I don't really know. They haven't really said. They haven't really committed anything." Um, but I did uh, get asked the question early on: Would I? Would I be prepared to go on medication to help? And I said, yes, whatever it takes. And so that was, that was recommended early and it was my first experience. And um, um, thankfully it was a positive one and I didn't have any kind of adverse reactions to any of the medication um, that they were, were trialing me on to see if it would, it would help. And as I mentioned in episode one, for those of you that haven't heard it, I, I was eventually... I eventually pushed a psychiatrist to tell me what what um, his diagnosis was. Um, and he was very reluctant to put a label on it, but then did tell me that it was adjustment disorder with depressed mood. And I had to kind of Google it and look it up to see what the hell was, what the hell it was. 
um, because I was expecting him to say, well, you know, you've got some kind of depression or you've got some kind of anxiety or, 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 or whatever it is. And I've obviously since learned there's a whole bunch of different types and levels of, of depression and that um, adjustment disorder is the, is the, I suppose, everyday life equivalent of, of PTSD where you're, it's not a traumatic event, it's just everyday life events that culminate into something where you can no longer cope um, with the stress. And so I remember um, getting that diagnosis. I remember anyone in the therapy asking more questions than anyone in the therapy. I, I really just, I, I wanted to learn. I, I would um, waste no time. I would, you know, it, it's actually where I learned to learn how to meditate for the first time in my life. I, I'd actually tried to meditate. Exercise had been my go-to. And I remember telling the, the treatment team that, you know, exercise, you have a gym here because exercise is where I'm going to get, you know, a lot of progress here. I've, I've always done it. It's always helped me feel better about myself mentally and physically. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. We do walks. Yeah, there's a gym session, no problems. But I remember then turning up to the meditation sessions and the art therapy sessions thinking, well, I've got to try and see how, whether this is for me and whether I can do it and whether I can integrate it. And uh, I was so surprised, you know, the meditation, I, I really struggled, but I had a couple of false starts previously. I couldn't do it. I remember just trying different ways, whether some was a class, some was an apps, some was different. It's just different ways to try and help myself meditate. I could just never do it. I, I would give up too easily. My mind would wander too easily and I'd just give up and say, I can't do it. And I remember just lying there listening uh, to the uh, to the meditation uh, teacher and thinking like, okay, like you can do this, you can do this. And, and um, probably wasn't the second or third. It, it was after maybe four days of doing it every afternoon where I actually found like, I, I, I was actually in more control and whether it was, it was, it was it the environment? Was it the fact that my other things in my life had been paused for me to be in there? And so I'd given myself the space. Um, it wasn't I just remember feeling like there was a, there was a bit of hope there that actually that was all right. I, I think I was able to control my mind. I wasn't actually drifting and, and I was concentrating on the visualization of the, of, of the meditation and, um, that was a massive turning point and, and, and the art therapy that I would do, uh, you know, uh, each day as well, that, that was so fascinating to me. I was, I'm quite creative and I enjoyed drawing and coloring in as a kid and, and did art at school, but, um, it's certainly something I hadn't done since I was at school and just sitting there with a, literally a blank canvas, um, was what I was what I was inspired to do you could do anything you want right just just open art shop and I decided I'd paint my son a Paw Patrol character and that would be a useful way for me to kind of feel like I you know again putting my why front and center in my mind and you know and I was just so engrossed and so present and so like committed to doing this drawing and perfecting it and and it was just so because it was very very few few things in life that you're that um, present and committed to doing, 
it was just incredible um, to see what happens to your to, to your brain and how you think when you're doing an activity like that. So art therapy, meditation, I, I really started to get um, a couple of new tools in the belt in terms of mindfulness, uh, which have helped me tremendously over the last 365 days. I've used, I've used the art therapy. I find it very good. In fact, I, I need to do more of it. I find it very good. Uh, and the meditation I've done morning and night at, at what is a um, very manageable level. And again, like I think the lesson for me is, and I was guided by this when I was in there, don't set unrealistic expectations and then not meet them and then uh, give up or, or relapse or, you know, this, this, it's, it's, you know, things to make sure that you don't put yourself back in the same situation. And I was, of course, super prepared to do whatever. So um, the commitment was a five-minute morning and a five-minute evening ritual. And I've kept up with that. I'm, I'm so proud of this habit. I'm so, I feel um, so much better and stronger mentally, um, strongest I've felt in, in my life. And... Um, the learnings that I got from the cognitive behavioral therapy and from the dialectical behavioral therapy, some of which I've, I've shared on this podcast and, and I'll continue to share um, to anyone who will listen, but particularly to dads of children with disabilities, because um, when you can control how you think about things, your interpersonal relationships, um, you know, you, like you, your, when you can identify your behavior chains and your, your triggers and, it, what causes your anxiety and you, you, the more the better you, you you can understand your 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 thinking patterns um what's driving things um and, and in many respects the you know the point of a psychologist and the point of having a support team around you and, and seeing is so that you can you can bounce off these conversations and they can challenge you with um you know trying to help you um understand and increase your self-awareness of how you think about things and and really this as i said it's been life-changing for me 365 days later and um i've come my son's obviously evolved a lot in that time as well in terms of his disability and his behavioral challenges and his meltdowns they've changed in many ways lessened in other ways um there's been new things pop up but i've um yeah, I, I, this is not. It's not just trying to make myself feel good, but I'm just immensely proud. The reason I'm I'm sharing this, and the reason it just feels so important to share, is that if you're listening, you can't change, um, and you can't do it. Or this mindfulness stuff sounds great, but I I, I just can't get it. Or work's more important or I just can't open up. I find it difficult. Any of those excuses, which I'm going to call bullshit on it. Think about what you've got to lose. Not a sprint. When you've got a child with a disability, my son's almost six and I'm, I've got, we've got years. I've got to, I had to equip myself and I think I challenge anyone else to say it's possible. I'm sharing this because you can do it and, and, and I don't care what's what's stood in your way before, what's what you're looking at now as a barrier. Think about the why. What's important to you? Why do you should you change? Why is it important to, to get a better handle on 
um, yourself mentally as a dad to a child of a disability every day in the arena where we are doing our best and so are our kids and so is our partners and wives and husbands, but you can do it. You can change. And, um, you know, to, to kind of meet plenty of dads during this podcast and this experience so far, but, um, the one thing that, that, that kind of keeps coming back time and time again is that, um, the, the more you can educate yourself, the more you can get better self-awareness and the more and find your motivation to take action. I think there's a lot of people that sit on the fence and that listen or that read or that, you know, uh, engage or consume content and things, you know, as a starting point. But geez, man, take some action. I, I really hope that no one has to get to the point that I was and have to check themselves into a mental health hospital to, 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 to make the change. For me, it took that severity and I wish I could see it earlier. I wish I could have done something earlier to make the change. Having said that, you know, going out of the environment and taking time out, and it may not have to be in a mental health hospital, but at a, at a retreat or some time away where you're, you're, you, 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 surrounded with people that can help you've given yourself time and space to make some changes and and to work on yourself um i think it's just as important for the dads and the mums uh we've got to we've got to support each other through this journey and uh i view it now as a responsibility i have to make sure that any dad of a child with a disability I, i i share what's worked for me and why it's worked for me i've got a long way to go um it's been I've still got just as strong a motivation as I did for the reasons to change. I still have bad days. I still slip from time to time. I need to, you know, stay in the practice. I need to keep working on my skills and keep working on myself. I'm still on medication 365 days later. um, And I don't really care whether that continues on um, indefinitely. If for me, knowing that I'm mentally feel equipped and, and when I'm stretched and when I'm at my, 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 my kind of testing point that I've got tools I can go to that I, I can analyze it, that I'm aware of the, I'm aware of it and I can take action. And um, as I said, I'm never going to be perfect, but oh, geez, it's, it's night and day from when I this time, that you can change you can and and hold on to it and just never let it go and you you do and you can do anything you want and you can do we are our best as as mums and dads of children with disabilities and more challenges than most um, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our kids, to our to our families, to to you know make some change. So, it feels like a very fitting end to sign off what has been a phenomenal first season of Dadability, and to think that 365 days ago, 
I would never have dreamed of doing a podcast and sharing this experience. And now I can't think of uh, a day or a world where I wouldn't want to be doing this and and, and changing and helping the disability community, uh, and particularly the deaf. So um, thanks to everyone for your support this season. In season one, I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to many more conversations. And just remember, uh, believe in yourself. We've got this. Never underestimate your dad ability. Thanks for listening to the Dad Ability Podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review, share with your friends. The more we talk and listen, the better we will be. Until next time, be present, be brave, and be kind.